Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. It's so important that as believers, we live out the truth of the Word of God. There are always people looking. There are people watching and looking and observing. And you never know when... I mean, I've, had, I've been told at times, you know, people will say, oh, I watched this or I witnessed this. I've had my own kids tell me things that, like, when I get to hear their perspective on me and my wife's life, it's comical, but it's like, wow, to catch the things that they catch. Like, they're things that they catch on accident. I wasn't necessarily trying to teach them that, but they caught that. If you're a follower of Christ, does your life reflect his teaching? Or have you been sucked into the things of this world? In today's message, Pastor Bill will urge you to be a light in this dark world. Allow the Lord to transform you into a new creation. It doesn't matter what your past looked like. God has a hold of your heart now, and he's the one who directs your ways. Pastor Bill will remind you today that people are watching you. Will you show them God's love by the way you live? Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. For you guys that have been following along with us uh, as we've begun the study through 2 Corinthians, Paul is, this is the follow-up letter. There was a previous letter written, 1 Corinthians. Uh, We went through that, went through the whole book together. If you missed it, you can go online and catch it. Uh, But in 1 Corinthians, it was uh, primarily a letter of correction. God was correcting a lot of the a lot of the mistakes and flaws and issues that were going on in the Corinthian church. I can't go over all of them this morning, but they were a pretty jacked up church, if you will. And I, I pointed out many times that God still loved them and he cared enough to put it on Paul's heart to write a whole letter to get it straight. This second letter was a follow up to the first letter. And in between the two letters, there have been accusations against Paul. False teachers have come into the Corinthian church. Uh, And what false teachers did was try to diminish the ministry of Paul. Uh, They said he wasn't really an apostle. Uh, They they challenged some of his teachings, his apostolic authority. And so some of the things we see in 2 Corinthians is Paul answering back or combating things that have been said against him. So one of the things we'll see in this first part of chapter three is they were challenging Paul's authority and almost like saying, you know, Paul wasn't, we don't recommend Paul to you guys. Now, it would be like this, right? I was I was blessed to be the pastor to plant Calvary Chapel Inglewood. It would be as though I planted the church, was part of the church. I knew you guys. I've seen you people get saved here, grow in the Lord here. And then I maybe I go do some missions work somewhere else and come back. And I need permission. I, I, I like, like when I came back, you guys had heard somebody had talked so bad about me that when I came back, it was like I needed permission I needed, this, I needed it to be approved to be able to come back. It's like, y'all know me. Y'all know me. I know y'all. That's kind of what happens here. So look at the first part. Second Corinthians chapter three. Paul says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. And let me stop right there. Paul said, look, do I, do I need to commend myself? Do, do we need to come and commend ourselves? Don't you guys know us? Do we need, as others, some epistles or letters of commendation? Uh, it was a common thing back then. If you were a minister somewhere and you went into a new region, um, somebody that was known could send a letter saying, hey, Bill's a good guy. I mean, receive him. If you guys read Paul's letters, you'll see there are times where Paul gave letters of commendations. Hey, 
I'm sending Titus to you. Receive him as one of us. He's a good brother. Hey, Timothy's coming. I have nobody else like him in the faith. A like-minded man, you know, he's like a son to me. He would send those letters that on Paul's authority, they would receive these people. That's what they would do back then because there'd be somebody to show up at the door and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm apostle such and such. I ain't never heard of you, bro. But I'm, just trust me. Let me, I got some things I want to come say today, you know. And they had a way to kind of keep out the false teachers. So Paul is saying, do I need that? Am I being, y'all think I'm a false teacher now? You know, y'all, you guys need a letter of commendation from me or I need one from you guys. Paul uses a little bit of sarcasm sometimes. So some of y'all, I know some of y'all are sarcastic. Y'all know what it's, it's like telling your kids, oh, you bought all that food yourself? You, did, you, did you do it yourself? You know, you knew what you really, you're asking rhetorical questions. The answer is usually no. Paul uses a little bit of sarcasm. I like it because that make me not feel so bad when I use some. So verse three, he said, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. And I want you to note something. In verse two, he says, you are our epistle written in the hearts, known and read by all men. Paul says, you guys are my letter of commendation. The fact that y'all are even saved and are similar as a church, Paul would say, you're my letter. My, you're, you're, my, you're my brightest recommendation. The fact that you guys are here, that's evidence to the work that God did through me. And then he says, you're not only you're not only our epistles of our ministry. Um, he says, you're also an epistle of Christ. You guys are also a, a demonstration of Christ's work in, in you guys. And some of you guys have maybe heard someone say, you know, Christians, that some of us are we may be the only Bible that some people read when it says we're living epistles. And so that's why it's so important that as believers, we live out the truth of the word of God. There are always people looking. There are people watching and looking and observing. And you never know when. I, I mean, I've, I've, had, I've been told at times, you know, people look, oh, I, I watched this or I witnessed this. I've had my own kids tell me things that like when I get to hear their perspective on me and my wife's life, it's comical. But it's like, wow, to catch the things that they catch. That there are things that they catch on accident. I wasn't necessarily trying to teach them that, but they caught that. There are things that, you know, they want based on what they see. And so Paul says, look, we're, you guys are our epistles. Keep that in mind that there may be people that aren't reading the Bible that aren't necessarily. It's not intentional. It's not like I'm doing this in front of you so you can learn how to do it. But as they watch your life, they're seeing if you're living out the word of God, they're seeing something about God's character in you. There's a man that when um, when I was in Bible college, the guy that ran the Bible college his name was Ron Terrell. You know, he's a black belt martial artist, you know, and I remember the thing that struck me about him was he was, um, you know, he taught and we in a Bible college context. There was a we would do a lot of debate and there was some spirited debate. Um, sometimes it get a little disrespectful the way that, you know, some people aren't real respectful about their debate. And I remember I would observe him and I would watch that he was such and under control, man. I'm thinking like, this dude got a third degree black belt and Sansu Kung Fu, he'll break you off something, you know? That's what my carnal mind is saying, you better watch, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't even know what he know, I know what he know, you better slow down, son, you know? But I, I remember watching him and just, he was so patient and calm, mild manner, soft-spoken, not aggressive. And I would watch him and I was like, man, that's the Holy Spirit. And then when I went on staff there and I worked in the school and I saw him work in that context, and he's working with high school kids and mad parents and difficult things. He was always the same guy, just kind of he was able to bring things down and minister to people. And I remember I watched him and it was years before I even said it to him, but he ministered to me about meekness that I knew there was power possible there, but it was never flexed. It was like, no, I'll just bring it down. 
Let's bring things down. Let's pray, brothers. He would be, he was that kind of guy. Let's, guys, come on, let's step over here. Man, let's pray. He would speak kindly, softly, and it just, it ministered to me because I have more, my flesh is not like that, you know? And so as I watched him, I was like, man, God, he gave me a model. Like, that's what I, I need to, I need to grow into that kind of man. That's admirable. It's the work. I see the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. He's not just off the chain, you know? And in a sense, he wasn't telling me, hey, Bill, watch me. But I was watching him and learning and growing. I was benefiting from just watching his life. There are people watching our lives. Kids are watching our lives. You've got neighbors that are watching your lives. People are observing and recognizing something just different. You know, uh, on our block, uh, we're in Inglewood where they're, they're, re they're fixing everything because the stadium's coming. And the gas company was on our block for like three months. You know, they're breaking up the sidewalk and doing this stuff. And my, my, my wife homeschools Emma Benjamin. So BJ's, you know, he likes to see, he sees the guys out there, the big tools, the trucks, and he's like, let me go outside with the dogs. And he's really wanting to see the tools and see the, the workers working, and he's asking questions and this, that. And one of the guys came over, and he said, man, that is, your son is the most, like, I just don't, I don't, he was, it was such a compliment. He's like, based on his conversation with my son, he was just had more questions about like, what are you guys like? He was such a respectful kid. And, you know, I just liked his spirit. And it opened up an opportunity to share with this guy that was just like it, it. It struck him enough for him to come and say something about it. And I encouraged my son. I said, man, he's just like he was impressed by it. it wasn't like my son didn't go and say, hey, we're Christians. We love Jesus. It was just he's just being what he is, you know. And so consider that that God is is our is as their lives were epistles being lived out. So are ours. Paul said, you guys are my testimony. You guys are my letter of commendation to whoever wants to know. The last part of verse four, he says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And so Paul says, this is so much more than something just written down on tablets of stone. You guys are written on hearts. Verse four now. He says, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. Um, speaking of our relationship with the Lord, that's our trust is. We said we have such trust through Christ toward God. And uh, as believers, that's where all our hope is. That's where all our trust is. That is the anchor for our souls. We're anchored in Jesus Christ, his work, his person, what he's done. Verse five says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. If you guys remember last week as we were in chapter two, Paul asked the question, who is sufficient for such things or for these things? And we, we skipped ahead last week and looked at this verse in uh, chapter three, verse five, where none of us are sufficient in of ourselves. But notice what he says. He says, not that we are sufficient in of ourselves. He says to think anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. God makes you sufficient. God, Paul says, look, I'm not, I'm not the big deal. God makes me sufficient. God is the one that enables me. He makes me sufficient for all these things. I'm not a big shot and I'm not a big deal. Jesus is, I tell you guys all the time, when, whenever we gather together as a, as a church, Jesus is always the big deal. Uh, the person up here is not the big deal. The people singing are not the big None of us are the big deal. Jesus is the big deal, always. He's the one that deserves worship. He's the one that we adore. He's the one that we highlight. It's his work, his person. That's, that's we've, come, we've come around the, 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 the table of Jesus to receive from him, amen? And so he said, look, he makes us sufficient. It's a beautiful thing, right? Because he's gonna begin to talk to them about the law, right? If you had to make yourself sufficient, how many of, that, how many of you guys would be stressed out yeah. trying, to, trying to become enough? 
trying to be good enough. God, I don't want to be good enough. Anybody trying to be good enough for God? Yeah, anybody? Where are you out? Because none of you are not good enough. On your best day, I woke up, I prayed, I read my Bible, I walked around, I evangelized. And you're going to do something wrong. You'll breathe wrong, you'll think a wrong thought. You'll, you know, it's, on your best, 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 best day, you're not good enough. It's healthy to come to that recognition because then I can kind of relax. I never was good enough. Right. I'm, my sufficiency is in him. God makes me sufficient. So then when I receive it as a gift, it does a few things. Can I be arrogant if God makes me sufficient? No, nah, I'm thank. I could be thankful. It should make me a worshiper, should make me a lover of God, but it can't make me cocky. I can't become arrogant. There can't be an arrogance about God making me sufficient. Like I'm not really enough, but God makes me enough. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, anybody ever had, you know, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever had your bank say insufficient funds, you know? Um, it means it's not enough there for what you tried to do. Insufficient. You went to the ATM and you said, I want this many. And it said insufficient funds. That much is not there. Spiritually, that's all your condition, all of our condition. Before God, we're spiritually got insufficient funds. I've never been enough. But God makes me sufficient. God makes me able to go back and forth and over and over again. And because of him, we are sufficient. When I stand before God, the father, because of him, I am sufficient. He makes us sufficient. Amen. Moving on now. Verse six, he says, who also made us sufficient as ministers. Same one that makes me sufficient for all things. He said he made he made me sufficient as a minister because they're, they're challenging Paul's authority. Why are you here, Paul? How come you're talking to us? Paul, when you, when you correct people. Sometimes that's what happens. Who are you? Tell me. Who gave you? Who made you? That's that's kind of the attitude. You know, Paul has wrote a whole letter of correction. And some people are saying, well, you know, some people are not wanting to receive it. If you don't want to receive someone's correction, what you got to do is tear them down. And that's what they're doing to Paul. Paul's like, so, you know, they've challenged his sufficiency. Paul says, look, he also made me sufficient. He made us sufficient as ministers. Same one. Same one that makes us sufficient in God made me sufficient as a minister. That's important too, for those of us that serve, and those of us that are involved in ministries and things of service. Are we there because we're good enough? Or do we deserve it? Um, even that's great. All of us have received what we don't deserve. None of us are really, no one can really be in a place that I'm there because I deserve to be there. I do that because I deserve it. I earned it, I went to, I went to school for it, nobody. It's all a grace. Any gifts, they're grace. Grace of God upon our lives. Should be thankful, humble, uh, we should be good stewards of the grace of God given to us, but it's still grace. And so Paul says he made us sufficient as ministers and notice ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. He says for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So there was an old covenant. Right. And this is what the Judaizers were kind of bringing back. And for anybody study, we, we went through uh, before we moved here, we were in the old building, we went through Leviticus, we went to Genesis, Exodus, we went through all Leviticus numbers for you guys that rolled through that with us. Right. Who would choose to go back to that? Who? Who in their right mind? Who would choose to go back to a sacrificial system and animals and the blood of bulls and goats and raising lambs and bringing lambs to the temple to be slaughtered and killed and bled out for your sins? Who would go back to that? Who would who would desire all the rules and regulations? And and, and even when it was all done, it wasn't sufficient. Right. They did all those rules and they did all that stuff just to show them that you're not good enough. You can't do it. All those rules. Who could keep all those rules? We got, we're in the New Testament. We can't even keep them rules, you know, so who could do it? Right. Who would choose to go back? But this is the problem in human nature. There's something about religion that that makes people that people's flesh likes. You know, how come there are cults? How come there are religious groups? How come there are groups that are, you know, we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't eat that. And we do. How come groups like that exist? It's so lame. Who wants that? You know why? Because it makes their flesh feel good. 
My flesh feels good that I don't and you do better than you. That's what happens. That's what religion does. Religion will make you feel like you're better than someone else. Oh, you guys eat meat? Oh, oh, that's a religion. I mean, now if you don't eat meat because you don't eat meat for health reasons, that's all good. But some people don't eat meat as a religion. Oh, you eat bacon. Or, oh, man. You know, um, you know, Old Testament, you know, some people take the scriptures out of context. Anybody, anybody here like some lobster and some shrimp? Anybody? Some good gumbo. All right. If you read Leviticus, you read some of them old books. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no lump, no, no scrimps. Oh, no, you got pass on the scrimps. No lobster tail, none of that. You know, those are sea, on the bottom of the sea. Now, under the law, th- those rules were there. They had to observe that, right? And the New Testament says, if I receive it with thanksgiving, God, thank you for the lobster tail. Bless it for the nourishment of my body. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can enjoy it. I can eat it, you know? Again, there'll be groups that feel very good about what they don't do. And in most religious groups, you find out a lot about what they don't do. You know, uh, some of the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're proud of their stuff. They're proud that they stay witness more than everybody else. They're proud of it. They're proud. It's just out in front of the windows with them. They're proud of the magazines. They're proud that they're not celebrating Christmas right. You got to celebrate Christmas. Oh, no, we don't do that. No, no, no. We don't do that at all. They don't celebrate Christmas birthdays. No, no, it's pagan. They don't celebrate birthdays. I just want you to, I mean, when I look at all that they don't do, how, how much of a witness is any of it? Like, what, is it, what, is it, what must that family be like during the holidays when everybody else is gathering together? They're like, no, we don't. We don't do that. We won't be at the gathering because we're, 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 we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna honor Jehovah over here all by ourselves. Who's drawn to that? Is that a witness to anybody? And this is the trip. It doesn't even glorify God. But, but religion will make you feel good about it. Poor, those poor people are, look at them shopping. Look at them, they're, they're, they're singing songs. Look at they're taking the tree into the, look at, look, you see them, they got lights up, look at them, look at them, and they'll be just looking like, that's so lame. I, I pray that nobody, if you're if you stuck in any of that, please come talk to me, I'll I set you free today. Um, I, I just, it's sad, but there are people that, for religious reasons, they come under all these things, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of bondage. It's a type of bondage that people get brought into, and so, when it says here that, you know, it's the, um, we're also made sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. There was an old Testament. There was an old covenant. There was a law and it had its purpose. What was the purpose of the law? The Bible says the Bible says the purpose of the law was to do what? To bring us to Christ. It was a schoolmaster. The law was there so you could try to do it. And in trying to do it, find out that you couldn't do it. And when you find out you couldn't do it, you'd be open to Jesus, the savior when he came. That you say, man, I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. I failed. And then Jesus comes and says, I did it for you. Ah, I receive you. Thank you. We've been making, I mean, that's why that's how that's how we come to Christ as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And so he says now he says for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter. Now, some people look at that and they say the letter kills. You know, the, the if you if you're in a word, some people think that they, this is taken out of context in some places. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. If you try to live under the word, you, you know, you bring the words that that's, that'll kill you. Some people what, what they what they want this to mean is that, you know, we we don't need the word. You know, we're, we're just going to do whatever we want. What the spirit is, there's life. We just do what we want to do. It's not what it means. The letter was the law. The letter was representative of the law of the Old Testament. And the law does bring death. The day the, day the law was given, there was death. For those that try to, if you try to keep the law, you're going to die. The Bible says for the New Testament, if you decide as a New, a New Testament believer or person that I, I'm going to live according to the law. There are people today, you ask, are you going to heaven? Yes, how? Well, I keep the law. Y'all know right away, you just told a lie right now. Is the law is impossible to keep. I keep the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. Um, have you ever told a lie? Well, just, you know, when I was younger. No, have you ever lied? One time. If, you, if you've broken any part of the law ever one time, you're guilty of all the law. So ain't nobody here ever kept the law. 
everybody here lied. Some of y'all are stolen. And we can go on and on. I'm like, I mean, I want to I wanna put all y'all in like, man, I'm right there with y'all. You know, I'm like, there's a few things I haven't done, but, you know, we're guilty as we want to be. We need Jesus. Amen. So we need the new covenant. I don't want the old covenant. I want the new. I want Jesus. And so Paul says he makes us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills. But the spirit gives life. And that's the difference. The work of the Holy Spirit comes to bring life. Uh, he brings us into a relationship with the living God. He, he brings life to us. Even 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 the how to and the, the ability to live the Christian life comes via the Holy Spirit. Look at verse seven. But if the ministry of death, speaking of the, the law, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, it says, how would the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious. You guys remember when Moses uh, was given the law in the Old Testament, Moses had an intimate relationship with the Lord. The Bible says he was a friend of God and God would speak to him directly. He had an awesome, he said, God, I want to see you. Who wouldn't want to see me? If God was talking to me and, you know, giving me tablets that he wrote with his own finger, I'd be like, I don't want to see you. Can I see you? Let me see you. I want to see you one time. You know, Moses said, God, I want to see you. God said, well, you can't see me and live. So this is what I'm going to do. I want you to get into the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by and you're going to see my afterglow. So Moses got, that's what he got. He got in the cleft of the rock and God went by and he saw the afterglow of God. And it says after he saw it, his face shone. His face was illuminated and it shone. And so there was a veil on him. Some people think the veil was put on so that people couldn't see that he was glowing. But the veil was there because that, that, that shine, that glow, that glow, it was, it was fading. That, that veil was put there so they couldn't see the fading nature of the glow. And as glorious as that moment was, it was passing. It wasn't going to continue. Um, just like the law had its purpose, but it would be something that would pass away. The work of the spirit is not like that. We'll see as we get to the end of the chapter that God wants us to go from glory to even greater glory, that the work of the Holy Spirit is a to continual transformation of a life. It never stops. It never ends. However far along you are today, you're not done yet. And that's I'm excited about that. You know, as the place I'm at today, I'm not where I used to be. And but I'm not what I'm going to be either. So it leaves me in a place of saying, God, just more and more and more and more of you. I'm not done yet. And I'm glad. I mean, what if I, if I were done? It'd be like, I'm done. I'm, I'm the best I'm ever going to be right now. That would be sad. <laughs> I'd be like, that's it. That's the best I'm going to be. You know, every other facet of life, you can hit a, you can hit a, 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 like a top. You know, you take an athlete, the best of the best of the best. At some age, at some point, that's the best you'll ever be. From here, it's going to be on a decline. Um, you look at uh, Kobe Bryant was one of my favorite guys and he went like this, this, this. And he was a great basketball player, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. But there was a point at which that you'll never that's just, you'll never be that great again. It's going to decline from here. The best it'll ever be. It's over. Right. That happens with life. That happens, that happens with everything except spiritual life. Yeah. Right. For this for the person in the Lord, you could be ninety nine going on one hundred and, and, and it's getting greater. You're more like him now than you've ever been in your life. Just there's more that, you know, there's more that you it, it doesn't end until we go to be with him. And so for the spirit life, God's like this. This is this is great. This never ends. It never gets dull. It never runs out. Keep going with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Verse eight. So he asked a question in verse eight. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious if if that ministry of the law had its glory, but it was a fading glory? He said, how will the ministry of the spirit be less than that? It's going to be greater. Verse nine, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, then the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, 
because of the glory that excels. And again, he keeps comparing the Old Testament with the New Testament, that what God is doing now, it excels, it exceeds, it's beyond what he had done. So why would anybody go back? Right? Why are they being tempted to go back to this thing where God said, what I'm doing now is greater. We've excelled this. We've exceeded this. What we're doing now is better than that. Why would you go back to that? What's the draw? And again, we have to ask the same questions today. Like, what would be the draw? Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.